Just a Couple Dudes podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Eric Flatiger. And I'm your co-host, Anthony Michael Cole. And today we're missing Frank Lewandowski III, but we'll have Frank on soon again. Oh, yeah. Um, today's episode, we are actually going to be talking about the ketogenic diet. So we're going, we found someone on Instagram. Uh, his Instagram handle is Gourmet Goes Keto. And it's the story of a guy who went on the ketogenic diet and he's lost, I believe, over 300 pounds doing yeah, keto. I think it was 335 pounds. He lost 335 pounds. I think he weighs, is like 225 now? I think, yeah, that yeah. or 205. So he lost more than what he weighs currently. And I'm excited for this one to just hear that story. How do you get to that point where you get that big? Uh, but then also the keto diet is something I naturally gravitate to, you know, to me, it almost doesn't even feel like a diet restriction. You know, I'm, sometimes I have to try to fight it, you know, to get a little extra carbs, but yeah, I would say all of us on the Jack podcast, we all kind of go with a traditionally low carb, low sugar diet, uh, especially if you're trying to get things, tighten things up a bit. Uh, I'll cut out desserts and sugar and carb carbs. Honestly, the only thing is, dude, during this quarantine, oh, I've been slipping. Oh, yeah. I've been slipping, buddy. I have been enjoying some potatoes. I've been enjoying a little extra Panda Express than I normally would. So, uh, so yeah. So, but for the most part, for sure, pretty we're pretty regimen guys. I feel like. Yeah. So we're gonna have we're gonna have uh, Gourmet go ahead and call in or add him to this. Uh, let's see. Screen says showtime soon. Okay, so yeah, so I'm gonna help tr- him troubleshoot that. Yeah, if you want to talk. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. got this. Uh, yeah. So if you're listening, you know we'd love to hear from our fans. We uh, love to hear the people tuning in. So, uh, you know, give us your perspective on uh, the keto diet. Uh, maybe you've done carnivore diet. Uh, what I really, really want to hear from is for for you vegans out there, like the true vegans. You know, how long have you been vegan? You know, did you just recently make that change? You know, I want to hear it all. Uh, it's just something to me that is that to me would be the hardest diet for me to pers- uh, pursue. Even though I love vegetables, you know, it's just I like my my comfort food is probably some chicken. It's one of the things that I would say for the past year and a half, other than this quarantine, I made, I ate chicken every single day, just in different ways. I love like some good white chicken or like a shredded rotisserie chicken. Oh, I could eat a cold daddy. Like <laughs> yeah, dude, I, just, I could eat fistfuls of cold shredded white chicken dude, oh, with like a pickle. Oh, oh, dude. Oh, see, I don't like pickles, oh. but oh, my, mine is hot sauce, dude. I could get some cold chicken and I'm talking soak it in like just the hottest, hottest socks, uh, sauce you can think of. And then, and then, and then of course I'll fry some chicken too. And I'm feeling a little dirty, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah, I'll still fry it, you know? Yeah. I would say I, uh, I heard about the keto diet from Joe Rogan actually. And I was like, what the hell is this keto high fat? like low carb thing. Honestly, I had no clue about it. The only diets I had ever heard of is like, actually, I guess I did hear about it cause I heard about the Atkins diet. I didn't know what it was though. Yeah. Uh, I literally thought going on a diet just meant you ate less food and you just ate like a bunch of vegetables. Dude, so funny. What I love. Yeah. I'd say Atkins diet was the first go. diet I was ever exposed to. Uh, cause my dad did Atkins diet. And so when I was growing up, I see him doing the Atkins diet and he could only get one spoonful of peanut butter a day. So this dude grabbed a salad spoon and dipped it in the peanut butter. And I was like, I could dabble in that yeah. diet, <laughs> but never did it. Hey, but so anyways, it looks like we got, we got Gourmet in. Eh? Can you hear us? 
I can hear you. Can you hear me? I can hear we you. Absolutely, Cam Gormy. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going good. I, I, I jump in and you're you're speaking my language, talking about scooping into peanut butter jars. So I'm ready. Oh, to... oh yeah, dude. We're we're excited to talk to you, man, and get to know you for sure. Yeah. So I think while we were trying to get you in, um, I gave you just a very soft, open introduction. I uh, talked about how I came across your your Instagram page. Loved it, by the way. I saw your weight loss journey. I see all the products. I see that you're a keto guy. Uh, we're just talking about how we're all pretty much traditionally low carb. Um, I do believe in the keto model. I, I've actually had a lot of, we'll call them uh, discussions, not arguments with people who think it's just a fad. Mm. Um, I've had a lot of the same thing. I've, I've kind of dappled a little even into like very short periods of time, like seven days carnivore just to try it out. Um, so we're, we'd love to have someone on just like you who is, it's not just talking about it. You've like lived it, you know? And uh, just so you have the voices kind of figured out, that was Eric who's just talking, and this is Anthony that you're speaking to now. And uh, I guess my experience with keto is really just with a lot of other different diets other than I naturally gravitate to a keto diet, even though I don't say I heavily pursue it. Um, but I have a lot of friends that are, you know, you know, predominantly vegetarian or even some that are full vegan. You know, uh, we even have a friend that experimented with carnivore diet. Um, and so my thing is I'm just really, I'm really excited to just hear someone who is just like their sole purpose, their, their, their message is keto. So I've never really talked to someone that's that in depth in it. So, so I'm excited for this one, Gormy. Nice. Nice. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'll do my best to represent the, the keto world. I think it's a it's a really big, expansive place, but there is a lot of commonality, you know, for a lot of us. And I know my my reasons for keto are, are different than the reasons, you know, probably, you know, you could ask someone else to come on and have a different discussion with them. But, you know, we all kind of get to the same place in the end. I think that's one of the things a lot of the people I've talked to about, you know, through the years doing this diet, like, we we take different roads, but we, we you know we kind of end up reaching the same place in the end. Yeah, yeah. So um, I mean, we gave you a, a, a soft kind of intro, but do you want to go ahead and introduce sure. yourself and give a little background as to you know when you started maybe, and also what you're doing right now with your podcast and with your Instagram page and your social media because you seem to have a really good reach with people. Mm-hmm. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I th- well like I said, my name's Gormy, but uh, my real name is Mike Gorman. Um, Gourmet is just a nickname that developed um, on Instagram and then eventually became a part of my handle. Um, That's badass, and dude. Now, and, well, the funny thing is now I can – because it, it's funny. If you go back, you kind of have to go back into the story. Like I – my Instagram three years ago was a very different page. My Instagram three years ago was had a different name. It was – the name that back then was Gourmandizer because the word Gourmandize <laughs> is to eat voraciously. Oh. And my last name. So, and so there I was, you know, that, that pushing 500 pound, you know, guy who wanted everyone to think, you know, I'm, I love being a big guy and, you know, screw you if you want to try to tell me otherwise. Like I was, I was very much in that, that diluted world. And so that was my account. Like that's where I have a lot of wild before pictures and people are like, why do you have these pictures? I hate, I hated being in front of cameras when I was fat. And I'm like, I used to post them on Instagram all the time. I didn't give a heck, you know, like I was, I was very, and I think it came from like when I grew up, I grew up as a fat kid. I grew up bullied and like shamed and shamed by my family. And like, I rebelled against it. Like it was almost like because of the amount of like 
vitriol and, and almost at times violence I, I got for my size. Like I pushed back and instead of, you know, I, I think sometimes you hear the story of like the bullied fat kid then gets in shape and, and joins the football team and like every, becomes the most popular kid in school. Like I pushed back by saying, you know, I'm going to be a fat guy and whether you like it or not, I'm going to exist and take up space yes. and, and you know, be in your face. Yes. And like, yes, you know, like, I love it. And, like, and really, and it wasn't that I like, and I would say, you know, I'm happy being a fat guy. Like there were parts yeah. of it I, you know, I, I relish, and you know, it, there's it's it's fun being a fat guy. Like there's there's a there's hell parts yeah, of that dude. suck, but like there's 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 fun to be had. Like don't oh, get don't yeah. get there's me wrong. Perks. Like there's some perks to it. Yeah, they don't call I mean, it fat like, and happy for a reason. Exactly. I mean, like I, I mean, even go into like you know, I'm Irish. Um, I haven't drank in a while because a part of like my weight loss and everything. But you know, when you're 540 pounds. You can handle a lot on St. Patrick's Day, so oh. like, you, you know, you, you know, like, so like I could, you know, I could, I could get, I could get a little legendary, you know, when I was out with friends, like, and it almost became like this thing that I think people reinforced because I, I treated it as such a sideshow that it was like it was either get freaked out and run away from it or embrace it yourself. So it's almost like people become enablers unintentionally or intentionally of, oh, of the behavior. And yeah, I so want to stay on stay yeah. on track on this one, but dude, yeah. later on in the episode, I want to hear some war stories. I want to hear one war oh, yeah. story of you drinking. All right, oh. but no, keep, keep on with it. Well, I love it. Well, keep going. Well, we can definitely we can definitely go there later. But I'll uh, to to move you forward a little bit. Like so, my heaviest weight ever was five hundred and forty pounds. Uh, it was in around two thousand eight, two thousand nine. I had been over five hundred pounds for a couple years. Uh, the I basically got too fat for the job I was doing and I moved cross country for an opportunity and that kind of fell apart. And that was also when the economy crashed. And so there you are over 500 pounds and who really wants to hire you when you're, you look like you're going to have a heart attack walking in from the parking lot for an interview. So I realized I need to make a change, but my head wasn't in it. Like I was making a change because I felt like I had to like, you know, the world was making me change. So I actually went from 540 to 210 pounds, um, in a little over two years. It's amazing. Um, yeah. And, and incredible. Well, and that's one of the one of one of the things like in my story, like I, I say I'm amazing I, I'm great at losing weight and great at gaining weight. Like I I can go in either direction quickly, you know, like it's 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 a gift of my genetics, I guess, because I was two hundred and ten pounds in May of twenty thirteen and by October of twenty thirteen I was four hundred and eighty pounds. Oh so my I, I put God. on two hundred yeah, I I put on 270 pounds in six months. Jeez, um, I thought Christian Bale was good at doing stuff like that, but you, I mean, oh, you yeah. destroy that guy, yeah. <laughs> dude. I mean, that's amazing. And, and the so funny, I, yeah, I was gonna ask. So, would you say no. you gravitate about like you gaining weight and losing weight real quick? Are you more like you know how they talk about like the endomorph body, the ectomorph? You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Do you know, dude. What would you oh, say yeah. you gravitate? I would. I would say I'm probably definitely in the endomorph. Like I'm definitely kind of on that end of the scale. Like, okay. Um, I mean, I, I, I but I, I think my body is bigger, like bigger and like kind of has a propensity to be bigger, but I've also had a couple different things happen throughout the years that have affected like the muscle mass on my body, like negatively. Um, oh, okay. You know, I went through, I, yeah, like I, so I, to try to keep the, the chronology going for you. So I, I lost that weight and gained all that weight. I, I would, I self identify as very much having a food addiction and, and very much like having problems controlling food. 
obviously. Um, and I fell right back into that. I put on that weight really fast. And, and the funny thing is when I talk about it, so I always get people, because every so often you know you have a post on Instagram that hits and it, it goes out to accounts that have no idea who you are as a person or haven't been following you for a year. And people will see like me talk about putting on that weight that fast and not believe it. So I, I get DMs and I get comments of people saying that for some reason I'm lying about putting on 270 pounds. Um, I'm not sure what the benefit I would gain yeah. by yeah. by telling. Like, I don't really think that's kind of like you know, I'm I'm not hanging out at a bar picking someone up by being like, hey, just so you know, in six months I could be 300 pounds heavier if you want to see yeah, that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, that's yeah, not yeah. necessarily. I mean, like, I, I mean, there's, there's, yeah, I mean, like, you know, you want to, you want, you want, you want to, you want to see something freaky. Let's like, come back here, meet me back here in six months. Like, I don't really think that's something. You know, I don't know. Like, for some not, reason, people really think that pitch. I would lie about. Yeah. Right. But, you know, there's I, I've got pictures and I've got, you know, Facebook posts all from that time of, of it happening and what that was like. And I fell back into that life and basically set it in my head that I was never going to be able to change, that I was just going to die fat and I might as well just enjoy life. And let's just ride this as far as I as far as it can go. And I knew it wasn't going to go much further. I knew I was seeing signs of different physical problems that I was refusing to get any treatment for. And, you know, I was very much the obstinate, I'll go to a doctor when I'm dying person. Um, and some family circumstances in 20, it was February of 2017. Um, my family had basically some, some circumstances come up where my parents came into custody of, of two small children. And those children, um, my parents were going to be their guardians, you know, take, take charge of them. And they wanted, you know, me to know that they knew that they're older and that at some point they might need my help. And for me, that was really the first time I, and, and this, it sounds weird to people, but like, really for me, that was the first time in my life that I felt like I, I owed something to someone else. Like I, I had to, I had to, you know, my life meant more than just sitting in front of a table full of food. My life meant more than just, you know, napping twice a day because, you know, my, my blood sugar is so out of control, you know, that my, my energy level is, is all over the place. And I, I realized that I needed, because it wasn't my, my dad telling me that he needed me to be around to, to help him with the, the children. It wasn't because he thought I was going to die. Like it wasn't from that place. It was from a place of he needed someone else to know that he was afraid of all that happening. But mm -hmm. it, it hit me and I realized if I don't change, I'm not going to be there to help. Like I'm going to die before my parents die. You know, like I'm, you know, I can see myself in five years being dead. So I, I for the first time really ever and this, I, it's, it feels so stupid sometimes when I say it out loud, like I realized that I wanted to live for probably the first time in my life. Like I didn't, I don't think I had a death wish before, but I don't think I really had it in the forefront of my mind that I needed to care about living or dying. Like it just was life was life. And yeah, it honestly, it sounds like to me as, you know, as I'm listening to this, you had this like self-realization that you're like, I'm kind of being selfish in a way, you know, cause I care I about these, I care about these people and I want to be there for them. And yet I'm not living, I'm not walking the path that looks like I care for these people. You know, that's what it sounds like to me when you say this, you know, and that's, and it's oh, awesome. Yeah, I mean yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, like it really, it really was like, it was this moment of, of real kind of conscious that like I needed to fight, like to be able to help, you know, and able to be there to be a part of them. And and that there was, you know, there it's, there, it's hokey, but it's that whole idea of like, you know, 
you you owe something to the people that gave you life you know when it's time for them to need your help and like i kind of taken myself out of that space and i i realized i needed to find a tool to help me and you know for me i like when i lost the when i went 540 to 210 i I followed a paleo diet a pretty strict paleo diet um i think towards the end i was chasing the scale so hard that i started to probably you know eat a ketogenic way because i just was not eating um i was it was back before anyone really was talking about fasting and i was fasting and so clearly i wasn't doing it properly Uh, i was using fasting as a starvation tool just to keep the scale moving so I knew what did I your fasting look like? I, I was eating very little food and eating every other day at that point. Okay. Wow. So, so it. it was, yeah, it, so it, yeah you'll lose weight doing that. So like really, oh yeah. And it's really what, you know, now people would say alternate day fasting, but now when you think about fasting, you think about electrolytes and water intake and, you know, all of those things and eating windows and that kind of thing. And like back then, no mm. one was talking about any of that. This was just me wanting to see the scale move so i was like i got to do something i need to do something more extreme like, what else can i do that's more extreme to keep this moving like i wasn't approaching it from a great space head wise mindset wise so i knew yeah. this time that if i was going to do this and because i'd been up and down weight so many times in my life like really if you just started listing diets i would probably say yep tried it tried it tried it um and had some major successes like dropping 100 150 pounds and putting on 200 pounds putting on 250 pounds um so I knew I needed that if, if I did that, if I got on that yo-yo again, I was going to kill myself. And I knew that the last time I lost the weight, I did not prepare myself at all for what would happen once I had the weight off. Like, I think that was a big part of it was that my identity was so wrapped up in being the big guy that I had no idea who I was when the weight came off. And I had done no work to get ready to even start answering that question. So I ran back to what was comforting. So I knew this time around I had to be thoughtful and mindful of what I was doing and really find a tool to help me control what I considered to be the animal inside of me, you know, this raging hunger. And I think it's common when you're, when you're a big person, you pay attention to diet trends and diet research and everything, even if you're not doing it. So I knew about keto. I knew about, I had seen the K word start to pop up in like 2013, 2014 and then by like 2016 or so, I, I had seen it come around even more. I actually bought some books in 2016 and didn't touch them. Um, I bought a book called Keto Clarity by Jimmy Moore and Vinnie Tortorich's um, Fitness Confidential because both of them had kind of come up in different things I was reading. And mm-hmm. so when I knew I needed to lose weight again, I, I dove into those two books over a weekend and was like, it just resonated for me, this idea that the ketogenic diet could give me some sense of control over food or help me with that. And so it was February of 2017. It was the middle of February, February 14th. I made the decision that I was going, it was actually probably the 11th or 12th. I made the decision I was going to do it. I read the books. I spent a Sunday night till probably one or two o'clock in the morning cleaning my house out, like getting all the food, all the bad food out of the house. And I woke up on the 14th and decided this is this is the life I'm leading now. And I started, that's you know, Valentine's my keto Day, right? And I was, it is, is. It? Yep. yeah, yeah. So, dude, that's mm. awesome, dude. This story just sounds yeah. so poetic. Yeah. I love it, dude. Yeah. You keep going. I love oh, that. Yeah. You started on Valentine's Day. <laughs> yeah. 
So it was there, you know, Valentine's Day 2017, I was 470 pounds. Uh, the last time I had weighed myself before that, I was in like the 480, 490 range. But apparently, I think just over probably the, the, the six or seven weeks in between, just the fact that I was starting to realize that I needed to make some changes, I probably started to pull back a little bit on things. I also had gone on a family vacation. We went to the Bahamas for Christmas, New Year's that year, 2016 into 2017. And it was, you know, the vacation of a lifetime with your family going to Atlantis, staying in a, one of the great rooms, like this amazing time. And I spent most of that trip exhausted and sitting because if you've ever been there or you heard about it, that resort is like a mile, a mile plus in length to, between some of the locations. Oh, and wow. so just just physically, I couldn't keep up. Like so there were my family would go on excursions and I would make reasons to just, you know, stay by the pool. Uh, <laughs> My siblings tried to get me on a raft at the Lazy River, and I almost got killed. Um, that was a lot of fun. Um, oh so, like, literally. Yeah, like, almost literally. Well, yeah, literally. Like, literally thrown off a tube, smashed against the side of the water. My glasses went flying off into the water. The lifeguard had to get my glasses and drag me out of the, the river as my siblings are floating away on tubes. Because there's no way to stop a Lazy River. Like, it's just going. Yeah. Um, so the funny thing is, well, not funny thing. But so then I get out of the water. You know, I get my shit together. I get out of the water. And as I'm walking out of the Lazy River entrance area, there's a sign and it says weight limit on all tubes, 350 pounds. And I'm like, why didn't we look at this before we, we got in line? <laughs> yeah. and got, like, why? Like, and my brother was like, we can do this. We're going to get you up on there. And I'm like, uh, and then I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, that was not well, a good I idea. Mean, that I would assume at idea. that point, too, you would have been used to checking the weight limit on stuff, right? I mean, <laughs> oh, yeah. A oh, fairly regular thing you've done. Yeah. <laughs> Man. Oh yeah. Like, trust me, like even, even a, one of my, one of my jobs I had at one point, I was the office manager for a paint company. And at one point uh, my boss had me de deliver some supplies to one of our job sites. And I was like, you do realize I can't get on the ladder at the job site. And he's like, why? And I'm like, the ladder's weight limit is 300 pounds, including equipment. And he's like, yeah. Uh -huh. And I'm like, I'm about 200 pounds over that. I'm like, I will destroy Ooh. your ladder and oh, your insurance will, will deal with it. And he's like, oh, okay, yeah, okay. So maybe, maybe yeah. don't carry it up to them. Maybe, yeah. maybe just leave it. I'm like, yeah, let's, let's, let's do that. But Dude, no, I you get used to it. I was going to say, I got a question. Like, okay, so you said you get used to it, like you just said. So, oh, yeah. you know, me, as I'm listening, I, I haven't been in your shoes, you know. But when I think of putting myself in your shoes, I, you know, I love your attitude that, like, you know what, you just embraced it. But to me, even if I embraced, I feel like there'd be a sliver of me that would be a little embarrassed. Did you ever feel that? Oh, uh, yeah. Like, I think there were times I did. There were there were definitely times I did. And then there were times that I, I just turned it. Like, it's, if I was around people I knew, I, I had to turn it more into like that. Hey, I'm the big guy. This is what happens. You know, you you set this up. You know, you made it. You wanted us to come here. I told you this was going to happen. Um, you know, you kind of develop like a shield, like you, you yeah. because if you allow the reality of the situation to sink in, you know, it's going to weigh on you more than any of the weight is going to weigh on you. You know, I, if we, I, I could sit here for a half hour and, and list for you the things that I've broken in my life, you know, couches at people's houses, car seats. Uh, I broke a toilet seat off the wall at Epcot center at Disney world. Um, that was fun when that collapsed to the ground and water started flooding the bathroom. Um, I, yeah, broke, that's I broke up. Yeah, I broke a plane seat once, like one of those smaller planes, where yeah. instead of the chairs being like the regular fully supported chairs, it's kind of like they have like a metal U shape underneath them. 
by the time the plane landed, I was almost touching the ground in the back. Like, but there was nothing they could do, nowhere they could move me to. It would just be another one of those chairs. Like, you just, you get used to that being your life, knowing that you're going to, if your friends or family are suggesting going to a new restaurant or a new location, you have to scope out, can I walk the distance I need to walk to get in? Is there seating there that can hold me? Because if there isn't seating there, like if it's all just booths, I can't go. You know, so mm -hmm. I have to make phone calls in advance and be like, and then if it was somewhere that I felt like I could change the group from going there, I would do that or I'd make an excuse to not go. Like, yeah. you get used, you get used. And the way I, I describe it, you know, on my, on you know, when I've talked about this before is the bigger you get, the smaller your world gets. And okay. you allow, you go, just go to certain places and you have those places that you go to and they start to know you there and like they know you're coming and they know where you want to sit and they know what you need and like, it becomes very much like our, our world, you know, can almost enable that behavior, even though you're, you're slowly figuring out there are places that you can't go and things you can't do. And it just becomes something that you deal with when you're alone at night in the dark, but not something that you ever really allow to kind of take over during the day. Because if you did, you would change, like, really, honestly, like, if, if I ever... If I face the reality of what it was like, you know, there, I mean, there were physical things happening to my body at that size that would terrify people when I tell them about it now, like things that were, mm -hmm. you know, that would happen. And I, for, to me, it was like, oh, well, I would slap a Band-Aid on and deal with it. Or I would just, you know, take a day off work, take a sick day off work or do X, Y and Z. Like it became my reality and my normal. And it's, I, I think it's that elasticity of our minds. Like we can yeah, accept yeah. so much as human beings. Like we get used to tolerating. And I think it, it crosses lines. Like it becomes like what we tolerate, you know, sometimes what we tolerate politically or what we tolerate socially or like what we tolerate like on a level of like economically, like as people, like we accept things that maybe if we had a, a different perspective on that, we might be like, oh, maybe we should push back on that a little bit, or maybe we should try to make some change there, or maybe we should try to make things a little bit better for people. Like, yeah, absolutely. We just I was going to say that normal. Yeah, I was going to say. I mean, really, you're just you're brushing certain things under the rug. You know, you're instead of mm -hmm. embracing it head on and actually accepting things in your own life and your own like what you're going through, where you're at. Yeah, you, you kind of just brush it under the rug. You know, it's there. But it's you brushed it under the rug, you know, and, that, you know, that like you just described, you know, even in like politics and stuff like that can affect everyone listening, whether you've never had a weight issue. So I, I love this story, man. Yeah. This is because yeah. everyone can connect to it. Yeah. It, it also kind of makes me think it's like a like a death by a thousand cuts, you know. Oh, so yeah. Like you, you kind of accept, you know, if you stop working out, you, you don't notice how you look in a month from now, if you didn't work out, you just started eating however, because every single day you just slowly acclimate. It's like boiling a, a frog or a crab. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You don't throw it in boiling oh, yeah. hot water. And so it's just crazy to see like, you know, how you can go in either direction, whether it was losing weight or gaining weight. But it's like, I don't know. It's just crazy. You're right. Like the human mind and body is just, it's incredible. And as you're telling me your story, I'm like, God, the body's insane. The body oh, it, is, so it insane, is like the, what the, like, I honestly, like, I think about like that my body still functions after what I put it through. You know, yeah. I was, I was, you know, like I, so like I started keto in February of 2017. I did really well those first couple months and summer of 2017, I had one of my screw it moments and I took a month off and cause I was like, I just had 
a lot, you know, happening, you know, I guess mentally, I don't really know why it probably was just more the addiction, you know, kind of still trying to take hold. And I, I quit for a month. I put on 40 pounds that month, oh, which gosh. was, you know, is par for the course for me. But it was for the first time ever that I fell off a diet and I got back on first time ever, like yeah, in my entire good. life. Like I literally had never any other time. There was never like a week off or a month off or anything like that before. It was always, uh, you know, one bad day and I'm done. So I fell off, but I knew I couldn't fall off forever. Like I had to, I had to pull the reins back in and I pulled the reins back in, got right back to it. Uh, was very successful still. When I started keto also, just for, so people know, like there's a lot of different ways to do the keto diet. Like ketosis is a metabolic state. It's a brought about by traditionally by the lowering of, of the carbohydrate intake of the body and playing with the fat and protein ratios can also affect that level of ketosis. That's a whole great science discussion, but really you can get into keto get into ketosis by a lot of different avenues, but really carbohydrate restriction is, is the main tool. So I was doing what was called lazy keto at that point, where I was just tracking net carbs. I was doing 20 to 25 net carbs a day. And then fat and protein, I was eating till I was full. And because I was so big, I could do that and still have enough of a cal caloric deficit that I would lose weight. So mm -hmm. I was doing pretty good doing that. Fall of 2017 came around and I started to get a cold. And it was bad, and then it went away, and then it came back. And now, when I say that I avoided doctors, I avoided doctors. Like I had basically developed a phobia of doctors, like knowing that they were gonna t what they were gonna tell me. Like I knew they were gonna say, "You need to lose weight. You're diabetic. You probably have a heart condition. We probably need to deal with X, Y, and Z." Like that. Those were those fears that I'm building up for decades inside of me. Like I hadn't seen a doctor in over 20 years. Well, yeah, because it's I, like, you know, you've been brushing that under the rug and the doctor's oh, going yeah. to, to uplift that rug. Yeah, you know exactly mm. what they're going to tell yeah, you. Yeah, you know, I, you don't need to hear them tell you. You you kind of know it, oh, you know? Yeah. Oh, I know, I know what it means when I'm pissing every 30 minutes and getting the sweats after eating and oh, wow. getting, you know, like I know I knew I was either full-blown or just about to be full-blown diabetic before I started keto. Um, which was another thing that drew me to the ketogenic diet, blood sugar control. But so this was now, this was after Thanksgiving, like beginning of December, um, around that time, like second week of December. And I went into work one day and came home and I, I had a day job. And then I also host trivia at bars and restaurants at night. It's oh, awesome. Fuck yeah, I went, I, yeah. I can tell, man, you so got I the went voice. To, I, he does. He's got the voice. He's got the energy. Yeah. yeah, I love it, dude. And I love trivia. So that's why I'm like so pumped that you just said that. Yeah, it's a good it's a good freaking uh, it's a good time. You know, you get used to dealing with drunk people a lot. Um, but I went to trivia like one night. So this was in the middle of all this of like feeling like literally starting to realize that something is really wrong and barely being able to breathe and barely being able to walk. And normally one of the one of the components of the trivia company I walk for is that we don't just sit behind a table when we host. We walk the crowd and we work the crowd and we collect your sheets and talk to you. And for the first time in seven years hosting, I was like, I set up a table and I made people bring their sheets up to me because I'm like, there's no way on earth I can walk around the bar tonight. I even went to the manager of the bar and I'm like, look, I have a really bad cold. I need your help tonight. And she was great and helped and like it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. But I went home that night and was like, something's really wrong. Like something is really wrong. I took medicine. I'm like, I'm going to take tomorrow off work. I called into my job, went to bed, woke up the next day and could barely breathe, like barely breathe. And so then I was alone. Like I lived alone and I basically was like, 
I have two choices. I see a doctor or I die mm -hmm. because I'm not going to live. And so it, it took me a couple of hours, to be honest with you, like uh, facing, it was literally facing the biggest fear of my life. Like I sat in my apartment shaking, you know, <laughs> not just because I couldn't breathe, but because it was like, I have to tell another human being I need to see a doctor. And then also there I am in my forties and have never seen a doctor as an adult. So I literally wow. had no idea how to, how to see a doctor. Like, how do I wow. find a doctor? Like, I'm literally like, what do I do? Like, how do, what do I even do? So I called my dad. Uh, it was probably around like eight or nine o'clock at night. And I said, I need to go to the hospital tomorrow. And he's like, what? And so I explained what's going on. And he thinks I have the flu. He's like, he, one of his tennis buddies is a, is a physician. He's like, let me call him and see if he can see you tomorrow morning. So he calls me back. He's like, yep. He says he can see us first thing in the morning. I'll come and pick you up. And he'll see, we'll see, you'll see him. He'll take care of you. Now, I think my dad thought I had like flu-like symptoms and I would just, you know, probably need some antibiotics and would be fine. I knew there was something bigger wrong. So I literally prepped, prepped my apartment so that I could leave it and maybe not come back ever. Um, wow, dude. Like, so you were, I, 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 I packed a backpack you know, with some clothes and some books and my phone chargers and pretty much anything I could think of that I would really need if I had to go into the hospital. Like I was like, I need to be ready. I did all my dishes, you know, I got, <laughs> I, yeah. I, when I went down to my dad's truck, I brought out all the, I had taken like all the vegetables in my fridge and put them in a the garbage bag and threw that away. And we went to the oh, doctor wow. and I sat, the, I the, sat the in the doctor's even office. Threw away food. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, like I knew, like I really knew. And I sat in the doctor's office, like I had to rest four times walking into the doctor's office. Now realize I'm now down, I'm down 150 pounds at this point. Like I was in, I was going to the gym five or six days a week at four o'clock in the morning. You know, I was hitting You're it doing hard. It. Like it wasn't, yeah. you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like I was in the shape I was in, you know, eight months before. And the doctor walks in, looks at me, puts the pulse ox monitor on me and says, you need to go to the ER right now. He's like, if your, your pulse oxygen is below 94, you're, you're in organ damage and you're 82 right now. He's like, you oh, need to be well, yeah. in an emergency oh, room. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> were you just walking around when you like, took that or are you just sitting there? I was sitting, I've been sitting there for probably a half hour. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, no exertion. Terrible. Yeah. Just yeah, to give yeah. you background, you know, I, I, I'm a nurse by trade, yeah. so right, so yeah, right, yeah. So I, I understand the magnitude. Yeah. So the doctor, so he basically says, like, we're not even going to deal with your insurance or anything, like for this visit. Like, your dad needs to take you to the ER right now. He goes, I should call an ambulance, but I'll let your dad take you as long as he promises not to stop anywhere. Um, then coincidences, you know, you talk about things being poetic. So we go to the ER, um, and the guy working intake at the ER is actually from my dad's gym. And so he kind of bumped me up the list a little bit in terms of like the waiting um, in the ER and got me seen right away. So I go from facing the fear of walking into a doctor's office to they immediately put me in a wheelchair, take me to the back, throw me on a table, rip my shirt off, throw an EKG on oh me and put oxygen oh, on me. And wow. I'm honestly at that point, like I basically inside of my head said, there is nothing you can do about this right now. Yeah. Like there is nothing you can control let them do what they need to do. And whatever they tell you is what they tell you. Like you need to be here. 
Yeah, yeah I mean, that's so all you can really do. Move. I mean, talk about an eye-opening yeah. experience. Yeah. And, and it really, like, and it's one of those things that's, like, really funny for me. Like, so I, I went up. They put me in a room in the ER, uh, you know, and the doctor comes in and, and as a nurse and, you know, as, as human beings, you know, you know what a lung op, you know, an x-ray of the lung should look like. It should yeah. be black, you know, it should be clear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you my, shouldn't be hitting my anything. Lungs, no light should be reflecting back yeah. essentially. Yeah. Oh yeah. My, my lungs look like two bundles of cotton candy with a thin black pencil at the top. Oh my God. And Gosh, the doc, the doc. Now at this point they had me on oxygen. I think it was on like a level 12, um, like it was like a wind, it was like a wind tunnel blowing, (laughs) blowing. Yeah. Like, like it was, it was, it was like I had a wind tunnel jammed up my nose. Like, like it was insane. Like I was, and it was, it was literally insane. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I I think I was probably lightheaded, lightheaded from it. And the doctor comes in and, and he basically said, he goes, if you had waited another three or four hours, you would be dead. He's like, your lungs are filled with pneumonia. Um, we have to immediately get you on antibiotics and we're going to admit you to the hospital right now. Um, that led to a 17 day admission to the hospital. Um, Jeez. they kicked the pneumonia, like the infection within five days, but basically the damage done to my lungs. And again, I can start, I, I feel comfortable knowing that you're out there, you know, as a practitioner, like, so basically they said the tissue of my lungs have become hepatic, um, mm-hmm. that instead of being like, you know, cotton, my lungs were more like the, 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 your liver, the consistency of liver. So my lungs just were not taking in oxygen. So they oh, were God. trying to figure out like what's going on. So it's funny. They put me on steroids and it was some of this stuff I have to laugh about because I, so it was the first time in my life that I was, was being put on a steroid medicine. And the, one of the doctors mentioned, Oh, just so you know, you might hallucinate, you know, this, this, this medicine sometimes causes people to hallucinate. And I'm like, okay, whatever. Uh, for the next three nights, I was convinced that aliens were coming to get me at the hospital. So really? every time the nurses would, would every time the nurses would put sheets and a blanket on me, I would throw them off at night and say I needed to be ready to be picked up. That they were coming to get me. Um, <laughs> and I was saying this to my family, like you yeah. know, I was. It was. It was a good time. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. But it That's was also fine. like it was. It was 17 days bedridden, like bed. So I went. And, and the, 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 the reason this really plays into my story is because, like, the first thing that they said to me, every, every uh, health professional that would come in, you know, because especially this is now like a few days before Christmas that this is all happening. You know, I went to the hospital the week before Christmas. So shifts are changing rapidly. You know, people have vacation time. I'm not seeing the same doctor more than like one shift in a row. And so every new person that came in immediately was like, so how much oxygen are you using at home? Do you use a walker at home? What is your life like at home? And I'm like, I have never been on oxygen before in my life. I work out six days a week. I'm, I've lost X amount of weight. And I had to eventually put my before picture as the background on my phone so I could hold it up and show it to the nurses and the doctors so they would believe what I was saying. Because yeah. initially there was just a lot of... And the funny thing is, like, eventually I became known as the keto guy in the hospital because I stayed ketogenic in the hospital. Yes. As, as, nice. As, yeah. as hard... As hard as they tried to make me not be like, they never spoke out against my diet at all. But you know, the nutritional, you know, the the food service, you know, the in the hospital, people. yeah, the dietary people. When I said so, but that first night when they come in and they were like, "Hi, you know, we're getting you set up for tomorrow," and the woman actually said, she goes, "I heard that you're, you know, you're on like a low carb diet, so I can get you the diabetic meal if you want." And I'm like, "Well, that sounds fantastic." 
you know, great, this will be so easy. This is going to be awesome. The diabetic meal arrived for breakfast the next day, and it was powdered scrambled eggs, of course, um, yep. some kind mm -hmm. of turkey sausage, and then it was a blueberry muffin, oatmeal with brown sugar packets, and an orange juice. Oh, dude, wow. I know. Yeah. Trust me. I see it. Oh. And I was <laughs> I, like, orange juice is I was like, pepper, basically. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, this is, well, a blueberry muffin and oatmeal for a yeah, diabetic. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. so I, I, so then I'm like, I say to the person bringing the food, I'm like, I need to talk to someone in dietary. So, like, the very nice woman comes back down, and I said, so I had asked for the, the, the diabetic meal, and she goes, well, yes, there was, there was only 200 grams of carbs in that meal. Traditionally, our meals have 350 to 400 grams of carbs in them. Oh, God. And I'm like, oh, God, what would you just leave out, Rice Krispies? Yeah. And I was like, I said, okay, this is not going to work for me. I'm like, we need to – and, and they, to, be, to their credit, they were like, okay, let's work together. Like, let's make this happen. That's, that's you know, good. here's – so every time there was a meal, like the dietary person knew – like every time it was like the night before, they would come and here's what we're having tomorrow. How do you want to modify it to fit you? So it, it actually was funny that the, one, of the sh one of the cooks actually got really into making omelets in the morning. So I could tell when he was working because I would have this fantastic omelet show up for breakfast, oh, like with beautiful ham, cheese and bacon and vegetables and whatever I wanted in it. it and then there would be a heart healthy Cheerios. Yeah, like, <laughs> no, I'd like to think that the cook knew that the keto guy was there, and he just yeah. he put a little extra oh, well, TLC in that well, omelet. Well, that's the woman said. One of the one of the deliverers said that he knew that he was making it for me, and like was you know excited that he was getting to do something a little fun. And Hell yeah. but then every other meal then was. Uh, iceberg lettuce and a, a three ounce piece of chicken. Like, oh, God. so I actually, I started hoarding, I started hoarding butter packets. Oh, um, nice. and luckily I had a lot of family visiting. So like they would bring me food. And so it'd only be like every so often I'd have to have a meal for, on the hospital food. Um, so it wasn't that bad for me. Like we, you know, things were actually, you know, really great in that way. But I left the hospital on new year's Eve, uh, went to my parents' house because I couldn't walk up the stairs, um, at my apartment. And they basically were like, we can't release you into, you know, you can't live alone right now. You need to be on oxygen. You have to have emergency backup oxygen. Like, so I was on oxygen and bedridden for another month and a half after being discharged from the hospital. Luckily, you know, my job was fantastic then working with me and helping and my insurance was incredible. You know, at the end of the day, I had a $185,000 hospital bill that I paid $500 of. So I cannot complain at all about that. Yeah. Um, Dude, you know, it's so like crazy, like hearing your story because, you know, it's like just hearing like two minutes of each of your story sounds like a crazy, you know, challenge or a crazy story. But it's like, no, this is all your story. This is all mm. the same story, honestly. So it's just like, dude, I'm, you don't know how excited I am just like s knowing the end of the story, but hearing it. Well, and that's great. <laughs> And that's the funny thing is like, I feel like, you know, there's still, and, and I'm, I'm staying in some of this because there's some important lessons for me that came out of this because one, that whole hospitalization period taught me two really big things. One, uh, that I was doing the right thing, fighting to live. Like, so I was ready, like whatever happened. Cause one of the other things that happened when I was hospitalized, uh, it was discovered that at some point in my past, I had a heart attack and didn't know about it. Um, yeah, yeah I, um, I know it's bad, but it's kind of it's kind of cool to hear, man. Oh, just because I'm one of those people who I'm just fascinated by the ceiling our body has and our brains. You know what I mean? Like, oh yeah, it's so incredible. Like my roommate, um, for last year for his 28th birthday, he just got up and he ran 28 miles. Yeah, and I he, heard you guys talk he about hadn't that. Hadn't been running much, yeah. And I was like, and I mean, he was like 
in bad ways afterwards. Oh, Luckily, he had to get IVs. He had to get an IV, but <laughs> like, got two liters mm, but when we got <laughs> yeah, it, I was like, dude, you legitimately probably should have gone to like the hospital maybe after that. Cause mm. he wasn't right for a while, but I was like, God, like you can do anything. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I just hear, it's that, funny what I hear about like the, 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 the you had a heart attack and yeah. you didn't even know it and you like didn't know or didn't even go in and it's like in a weird way it's so resilient yeah <laughs> like, oh. like, well that's like it's like it's so funny i hear your energy and stuff and i'm like oh this dude is just like just an alpha dog well, but just not your stereotypical alpha yeah it's just funny to hear it's, keep going man and no and it made me, it made me laugh because when the when the doctor came well well first here's how the here's how this all went down they woke me up at six o'clock in the morning one morning and the, the nurse leaned in and said, the doctor thinks you're having a heart attack right now. And we have to take you for an echocardiogram. <laughs> I was like, what? Wait, wait, excuse, excuse me, what? <laughs> so literally, you know, I'll give you, I'm going to give you guys a little too much information. Shit my pants on a gurney on the way down to the echocardiogram. Oh, because yes. they, had, they, had, <laughs> they had just given me a new medicine that they said would probably do that. And I was freaking out. So it happened. I got down there and it I said to the shit out of you. It, if they wouldn't have it told literally you, did. It have done it. And that's what I was getting, you know, that's how I get to it. Scared the shit out of me. I said to the, the echocardiogram technician that that had happened. And she literally looks at me with this deadpan face and she goes, happens to everyone. We'll take care of it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I'm like, I oh, I've wiped, wow. I've wiped that's a thousand a, bucks. That's so, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It was like, I got, I got, I got very used to other people helping me with shit like that. So like it. So it's almost like your shame goes out the window completely. Like I'm like, yeah, it happened again. We need to deal with this. Let's come on. Um, so right. she did the echocardiogram, and I'm like, you. She can tell that I'm anxious. She's like, you seem really anxious. I'm like, well, the nurse said that the doctor thinks I'm having a heart attack right now, and she goes, well, that's not true. And I'm like, okay. And she goes, no, it says here the doctor thinks you had a heart attack at some point and wants to find out if there was any damage to your heart. I'm like. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's a little different than that's a little different than me thinking I'm having a heart attack right now and why aren't you giving me a medicine instead of just being like we're, we're going to wheel you downstairs. We're just going to take you downstairs and put you in the hallway for a while. Yeah, so jeez. <laughs> I got I got back upstairs the the attending physician came around and he said, "I heard there was a little mix up this morning." And I'm like, yeah, a little mix up. Yeah. You, fuck you. Oh, yeah. Up yours, you fucking piece you're, of shit. Um, yeah, you're a funny guy. So then he gets into, he goes, well, he goes, he goes, we can tell because of the electrochemical signals of your heart that you've had a heart attack at some point in the past. Luckily, there is no damage. There's nothing on the, the echocardiogram showing damage. He goes, but do you know when it happened? And I'm like, how would I know when it happened? And, he, yeah, and, and this, is, this is great. He says... Did you ever have a night where you went to sleep and felt uncomfortable? And I said, <laughs> I said, dude, I was 540 pounds. Every night of my life was uncomfortable. Yeah. I'm like, so we actually, we talked about my history. He thinks that it probably was the summer I put all the weight back on really fast because of the amount of fluid that poured back into my body so quickly. Okay. Like he thinks there probably was like a congestive episode or something happened then. Like, but we're not a hundred percent sure. So I realized through all of this that, I was fighting to stay alive. And also, I also then came to this place, like I know it's it's also probably cliche at that point, but that's really when I discovered um, Stoic philosophy and really kind of got into like reading Ryan Holiday's books and The Daily Stoic and Obstacle is the Way and Marcus Aurelius and 
this whole idea that one, we could die anytime. And so what do you want your life to be like if you, if you die tomorrow? And also I can only control what I can control and I have to stop expending energy on things that I can't control and worrying about things that I can't control. And so I, I kind of yeah, came I, back into. Sorry to interrupt you real no, quick, go but I got to throw a, a, a shout out to T Time with the Reaper. We just did an episode about death, and he, that's what his like mission is just talking about like the things mm. you can't control, and death is going to happen, you know. Uh, so right. if you haven't listened to his stuff, man, you, you should listen to one of his episodes, at least. Uh, Derek nice. McCormick. Yeah, Derek McCormick. But anyway, sorry to interrupt you, but it just, I no, think No, definitely, definitely. Yeah. No, and. And so, like, I, I kind of realized that, like, I was on the right path and I needed to fight no matter what, which I think helped because a few months later is when I hit my first big weight stall, you know, on this this keto journey of mine. Uh, it was the fall of 20, where, where are we at now? 2018. Um, mm -hmm. And I, was it, what, what year is this? This is 2020. We're no, 2020 fall, right now. Yeah, I'm like, where the hell am I? What time is it? It was fall of 2018. And... You know, I have no idea. It's it's this whole Corona quarantine thing. I don't know what day it is. I don't know what it's, year it is. I know, man. I, I'm, I'm experiencing I, I, the same thing. It's insane. I wish someone a happy birthday the other day, and they're like, "That thank you, but my birthday's in two weeks. I'm like, well, I'm oh, early. Shit. Deal with yeah. that. Yeah, deal, with it. deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it, okay? Um, yeah. I, don't, I, don't know if the, I don't know if I don't know if the world's going to be here in two weeks, so I'm wishing you a birthday it, now. Bitch. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Deal with it. So... I hit I, I hit fall of 2018 and I was starting to stall and I was starting to put on weight. Like I actually put 15 pounds back on and it was while I was eating keto and eating keto food and like following the rules and I was doing what I was supposed to do. And I realized that what I was not doing at that point was I was still in that lazy keto place and I was not tracking my macros tight. I wasn't looking at actual calorie levels and I'm like, well, you've now lost, you know, at that point I was a little over 290 pounds. Like, Okay, you've lost almost 200 pounds. You, your body needs probably a, to get a little stricter to, to, to take off some more of this weight. So I knew I couldn't do it alone. So I actually started working with a coach uh, who set strict macros for me. And I went from counting net carbs to counting total carbs. And in a lot of ways, like I worked with him for a little over a year. And that's when I got to my goal weight because I, that experience of that year was really what gave me freedom from the way food controlled me. Like, Mm -hmm. finally getting like the sugar demons under control and by taking my carbs down really low and counting total carbs you can cut out a lot of the garbage because whether people want to admit it or not there's a lot of keto shit out there like stuff that's packed with fiber and sugar alcohols and it's like 75 total carbs but it comes down to three net carbs so it's got to be healthy for you and it just replicates the food that we a lot of us have trouble controlling to begin with and we keep it in our lives and by getting down to when I was working with the coach, I was ten total gram, ten grams total carbs a day. So you can't really fit in a, a thirty gram carb Quest bar or a brownie or something along those lines. Like you're looking at vegetables and like, you know, things along those lines, like green vegetables and and kind of focusing on on that sort of thing. But uh, if for you me, could maybe give us some, uh, like, so, oh, some the listeners some sure. insight. What would you Definitely. say, like, if you have a bundle of asparagus, what yeah. would that that what would that equate to carb wise? So, so three, so 300 grams of asparagus, which is probably about, what is that? About 10 ounces of asparagus, a little more than 10 ounces of asparagus, 11 ounces of asparagus. That is 11 grams of carbs total. 
And so, so you're going less than that. So I was going less than that. Wow. So, but but ten grams, you know, ten ounces of asparagus is a fair amount of asparagus. Like baby arugula or baby spinach is like one gram of carbs an ounce. So you can fill a mixing bowl for like four grams of carbs, three grams of carbs. Like oh, okay. there's, okay, there's, there's hacks. There's hacks you can do. Um, there's some things like you can use things like miracle noodles and miracle rice to like kind of bulk up meals if you're really kind of at the bottom of a cut. Like, and then there's just you learn that there's some vegetables that you know, depending you weigh out you know the amount of avocado you're gonna have. Like you look at like you know building a salad or building you know using greens. Like you realize that there's less carbs in bell pepper, green bell pepper, than there is in red bell pepper. Or mm. have green bell That's pepper. Red bell peppers taste better. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that you makes know, sense. Ma- mushrooms are pretty low total carbs you know so like mushrooms are a big thing for me like but then you realize there's some vegetables that like i'm an onion freak like i i love you know saute saute onions and put it on anything and i would eat it Mm -hmm. and onions are just the carbs pile up fast in onions um so which sounds silly to probably a lot of people out there that that are when they're thinking about carbs are thinking about cutting out candy bars and chips and yes that's true but when what i'm talking about is like i had to start really kind of getting into manipulating things a little bit to help me and like honestly i don't think the keto diet is magic like it's not i didn't lose weight because of the ketogenic diet i was able to restrict my caloric intake and feel under control because i used the ketogenic diet the ketogenic diet the ketogenic diet the ketogenic diet gave me control over my appetite so i wasn't ravenously hungry constantly because like realistically I could lose weight. Like I've lost weight on Weight Watchers before. I've lost weight on that. Like I could do an if it fits your macros diet and eat, you know, Reese's cups and chicken breast and lose weight. Yeah. You know, what's crazy is I would be, I would be hungry all the time. So like for me, keto gives me satiation. That do that. You just hit the net. You just hit it right there because I was talking when we did our carnivore episode with our buddy who did uh, 30 days carnivore in the month of January. Mm-hmm. And one of the re- reasons I had, you know, he'd been wanting to lose some weight. He was trying to get down to 200 pounds or just get under. And, you know, I was like, you know, I was kind of telling him a little bit about keto. I also told him about carnivore. And I was like, you know, man, if you want to do just a total, like, what I liked about the carnivore idea for him was like, it's just you restrict everything. You basically cut out everything but one thing, really. And I mm-hmm. was telling him, I was like, you know, man, you're going to eat a lot of really good, you know, you get that satiation from that kind of food. Whereas if you're just like, oh, cut your calories and eat, you know, like what you're saying, you still feel hungry. You always are like, I want to eat. I want to eat. You know, that's the hardest part with those diets. Whereas I was like, you know, for him, I was like, dude, just eat a bunch of New York strips and bacon. Just eat till you're full and you might be full for a while. You actually won't eat as much as you think you would, you know. Uh, a part I wanted to add too was just like the, the whenever you're doing like a pretty intense diet, like to me, that sounds so intense to not have that many carbs, you know, but just on like mm-hmm. the, the diet restrictions I've ever gone through, I've even done some fasting, like the longest fast I did was a 72 hour one. But um, whenever you get control over your food, when you, when you change your mindset about food, like all of a sudden you start getting control in other areas of your life. You know, and it's oh, like yeah. for me, the root is food. Like all of a sudden I start eating sh- uh, like real shitty, then I'm not working out as much. When I'm not working out as much, I'm sleeping in a little bit more or I'm like I'm getting lazier in other parts of my life, you know. And uh, it's just crazy how food and our, our thoughts about food are more than just even calories and the types of calories. So it, it's just cool hearing well, this. We have an emotional connection to food. Oh, Big oh yeah. Big time. Like we reward okay. ourselves with food, and I think it's a fun reward, but it's a deep, connected emotion, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, and it's something I think you have to work to be conscious of. Like, I, I, I was talking with someone the other day about this. Like, we our culture exists because people came together over food. You know, like, mm -hmm. early, early, early man came together because they were sharing resources and sharing food. Like, there's something really primal about sharing a meal together. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we need to be sharing the same exact meal to have that experience together. Like, you can be someone that has to eat a little bit differently, you know, in order to help yourself. Like... You can have a consciousness about the food you're putting into your body and understanding the the impact that it has on you, like, physically. And, like, for me, like, food had become such a deeply ingrained thing. Like, I was a sneak eater. I was a, you know, a binger. Like, I, the amounts, like, I could regale you with horror stories of the amounts of food I used to eat. Like, it was ridiculous. And... Like, I had to find a way to change that in a way that allowed me to feel some freedom around food. Like, I don't, like, I, there's a lot of people in the, especially in the health and fitness sphere that want you to think about food just as fuel. You know, food is fuel. Don't think about it as anything else. And then mm -hmm. there are people that are like, live your life and food is fun. And like, you know, on the <laughs> other side, you know, but I, I think there's a middle ground. I think there's a way to think about food as fuel that can be enjoyed but you still need to think about what it's doing for your body, you know, and think mm -hmm. about the choices mm -hmm. you're making. And so that's why, like, when people now ask me, like, do you ever cheat on your diet? Like, I, I don't use the language of cheat. I, I say that every piece of food I put into my body is a choice that I make. And are there times that I make choices that aren't optimal for my quote unquote diet? Yes. But I understand that I know there's consequences to those choices. And I'm accepting that I'm the one making those choices. There's something really empowering about that. Instead of just chalking it up as a mistake, it's something I'm choosing to do. And so you're a little more intentional about what you're doing when you, when you take that approach, I think. And like, Absolutely. yeah, there, there's something really, there's something really extreme about, you know, when you're know, getting down to 10 grams of total carbs and counting every calorie and every macro. And, but I needed to get into that place of extreme control to allow me to see the things that I wasn't really controlling. And that was like, I used to say I was never, I, I used to say I was never an emotional eater, but then I eventually realized that I was just eating all the time. So I was numb all the time. So like now I have like severe emotional outbursts that I have to deal with. Like I get angry really freaking easy. Like, and I realize it's because I'm not medicating myself with food anymore. So that's something I work on, you know, like how I handle my emotions or things that I have to learn to work on. And mm -hmm. it's, it's about like this journey continuing and like really, so I worked with, with my coach and got myself to what I considered to be, you know, my goal weight. Um, and then we worked on reverse dieting out of that place, you know, so that, you know, maintaining like my metabolism and allowing me to take in a few more carbs and work on like understanding how to handle manipulating my body if I need to, you know, cut some weight again, you know, which thanks to Corona quarantine, I probably need to cut a little weight again. Um, yep. But mm -hmm. I know it was, I do. it's very, yeah, like it's very much like what I learned is... Like the big, the overarching lessons for me in all of this is I used to think about diets as like a, a one and done. Like you hit your goal weight and you're done. You know, the ma magically you're cured. And what I've realized is it's really more about just finding new goals. And that especially as someone that was super morbidly obese, if I don't have constant goals to be working towards, it's when the old behaviors start to slide back in. Like I have to keep those goals in focus. I have to keep what I want it, where I want to get to in focus. Like for me now, my goal is maintenance, like is really working on that because I've never been successful at that in my life. Like I said, I'm great at gaining weight. I'm great at losing weight. The only time I was great at keeping my weight the same was when I was over 500 pounds. Like, and that's mm -hmm. because my body just couldn't go any bigger. Like if it could, it probably would have like. Now yeah. it's more about trying to like work on what is my relationship with food now? Who, and also 
the bigger picture of who am I now? Because I'm not fat Mike anymore and I'm not dieting Mike anymore. Like who am I at the end of the day? Like, so I'm getting to really figure out like who Gourmet is and like, what do, what do I want my purpose to be? Yes. Well, dude, I think you're doing it. I think you're living it right now as we speak. I think just talking, telling people your story, talking about this on different podcasts, doing your own podcast. I think that's just, I think that's what the human experience is. You know, we're just sharing our stories and our experiences. It just helps guide people who are either in the same boat or, you know, they're, they're maybe who you were three years ago, you know, mm-hmm, or maybe right. they're who you want to be too. Like that's the coolest thing about all this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that's why I love people's stories because like someone else will hear it and maybe if they're not even in the same part, they're gonna hear, you know, just a little bit of your story that they'll they'll benefit from. And then the same part, there's so many you know, we were talking about this the other day, me and Eric, like there's ordinary people that quote unquote that we think of that just have these stories that if if people just heard their story other people get benefited from it too and it, it's so fun to to do that and I, i'm sure you you feel that as well because i mean listening to your oh. episodes yeah i mean and that's really where my podcast the fat guy forum came from was i i was in this fitness sphere you know and in the weight loss sphere and realized that like most of the people especially like there's a, a ton there's a, a spectrum of podcasts out there that are addressing women's issues when it comes to weight and body image and all of those things and there's a ton of dudes that are lifelong athletes who fell off for a little bit or had an off season and put on 30 pounds and then lost it. And now they're a weight loss expert and they're doing a podcast about it. Mm-hmm. And that's great. Like, I think that's really awesome. But they're re- really, as far as I could find, there weren't a lot of people going to those regular guys out there that are dealing with whether it's 20 pounds to lose or, or 250 pounds to lose and just bringing what their stories and experiences are forward. And I wanted to create a podcast that talk to fat guys, you know, whether they were fat mm-hmm. or are fat or have that experience or felt like they were a fat guy, even if they weren't like talk about their stories, bring them forward. And so really the, the, the podcast too, it's, excuse me, it's not just guys that have been completely successful. It's guys that are starting and guys that are halfway through their journey mm-hmm. and guys that are starting their journeys over because they lost all the weight and they gained all the way back and they have to lose it again. Like, I want people to hear like the, the everyday story. And that's the funny thing is like, I get guys messaging me all the time and saying, you know, I'd love to come on your podcast someday, but I don't feel like I'm ready yet. Cause I don't feel like my story is important enough to tell. And those are the guys I go back to when I say, every one of us has an important story to tell. Mm-hmm. Like whether you realize it or not, someone is going to resonate with what you're, what you're telling. You know, someone's going to hear what you're saying and get something out of it. And so it's like, if you feel comfortable telling your story, let's do it and let's make it happen. Like, let's, let's make that be something that we see go forward. And just the guys, like I'm, I don't know how many, I'm like 60 or so episodes in, I started last summer and you like it, just the sheer number of people. And now like I see those guys interacting with each other and interacting with other people. And like, Mm -hmm. it's just amazing to see like what it propagates and what it, what it brings to people. And then I, it's funny to me is like, I feel like in a lot of ways also I'm the podcast that some of these guys go on when it's their first time telling their story anywhere. And so Uh I get like, I get their first raw, nervous, scared to talk experience. And Uh now they're on, they're on three or four different shows and they're telling other people their stories and they're becoming seasoned veterans. And I love seeing it because I love seeing like it flourish and seeing them get better at sharing their experiences. And it's just been like this amazing, empowering thing for me. And like it, it started, you know, I, I thought I knew I wanted to do a podcast and I created the name of the podcast and I actually had the artwork done, you know, the logo for the podcast created. Uh And then I sat on it. I I joined Podbean 
and I sat on my membership for a year. And I basically recorded the first episode over and over, like probably 10 or 11 times because uh-huh. I hated I hated my voice. I hated uh-huh. what I was saying. I kept thinking I didn't say the right things. And then I was listening. Um, I don't know if you guys follow Matt Vincent at all from Hate Brand Goods. And he's got a podcast called I'm So. And he was interviewing uh-huh. someone else who has a podcast and basically made the point of you don't get to episode 100 without having 100 episodes before it. Like you have oh, to. Oh, dude, yeah. Gonna, you, you're not going to get good at something until you do it. So I was like, you know, fuck it. Let's just do this. So I, I, I recorded three or four personal episodes to start and I dropped them all the same day. And then I started interviewing people that I knew and started getting, you know, stories going. And like, it's now become this thing that I'm really, you know, proud of, uh, proud of what, it, who it's reaching and, and who it's connecting with and the seeing what it's able to do. Oh yeah, dude. Uh, it's so cool because like, so, you know, you're talking about like you would, you recorded that first episode multiple times and then you hated certain aspects of it. So I, uh, like out of a, us group of three that on just a couple dudes, uh, I am definitely the overthinker, even though in life mm-hmm. I don't seem like an overthinker, but I'm totally that way. Uh, and it's funny because Eric and Frank are the opposite. They're like, they're like, just give it to me raw, baby. Like they, they don't like overthink. They like, uh, Eric said it perfectly last night. He's like, I'm the type of guy that writes a rough draft and that's it. That's my final. Mm. Yeah. He is like, and so, and it's, and I'm not that way. So I totally understand that, but, uh, you know, I'm growing and I'm learning from it, you know? And, uh, and I think, I think we're both rubbing off on each other. As yeah. Well, sounds. cause I feel like, you know, we were talking about stuff with the podcast, even I was like, God, I just feel like more like the cowboy. Like I'm like, Mm-hmm. screw it man i'm just gonna talk we're gonna do it but you also need you know you do need to fine-tune it and you do need to have you know you can't just be all all out there but i think you know what we've been able to create is good yin and yang um even frank i know frank's not here today but like he's the same way he's someone who like he wouldn't write down a single thing he's like oh, i'm ready let's just do it mm-hmm. it's like something you know when you turn a mic on but you know what the funny thing is too a lot of people i've interviewed for i had a podcast before this one too and you know you don't always know when you go to interview someone you get them behind a mic it's kind of weird because they get people get a little antsy or they get kind of shy mm-hmm. oh and yeah so just one thing i wanted to say with you coming on is i could tell first of all that you have passion that you have energy but dude you just speak so well and you speak so just from the heart and i, I just love that we're able to have this conversation we're able to capture it we're able to you know share share stories and encourage one another but also to just be able to record this and put it out to the world so people who who do like you know for us like the jacked podcast community but they could hear you and your story and what you're doing and get a sense of your energy that's what i love mm-hmm. definitely and it's i appreciate that a lot like i, I think that is something and, and it's funny like I, I laugh because every so often i'll have someone who is like i'm ready to tell my story like get me on the air he goes you're gonna be blown away by what i have to say and then I get them on, and it's pulling teeth to get them to talk. Like, yeah, I, yeah, I, 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 I always ask, my first question is always, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? And I'll let you know, like, a, <laughs> little, a, little, a, little, a, little, a little behind-the-scenes magic of the podcast. I say to them, I say, just so you know, the first question is going to be, what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum? And that's your cue to tell your story. You know, go back to your childhood, start telling us what it was like to grow up as a big kid. That's, this is your chance for you to really kind of expound on where you're coming from. And they're like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. So I'll, I'll ask that question sometimes. And then the, the guest will say, well, um, I, I've had a weight problem my whole life, but then I lost all the weight. And so I'm not a fat guy anymore. <laughs> and I'm and I'm literally I, and I'm holding and I'm holding and I'm holding up my phone and I'm looking at the I use the ringer app and I'm like, 
okay, we're 45 seconds in and he's told this whole story. Okay. Beautiful. So, um, so that, that's what I, I have to be like, um, could you, could you take us a little more in detail into what actually, what that was yeah. like? So uh -huh. how, how fat were you? And when did that start? And then they're like, oh yeah, that too. Yeah. Let me, yeah, yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you about that. Like, so it's just, but then you also get someone who was like terrified to come on. Like I have, I've had a couple guys that I'm like, dude, you're ready to come on. And they're like, I'm not ready. I'm like, you're ready. We're doing this. And they come on and I barely say a word the whole two hours that I record with them because they all of a sudden are, are like speaking at the Washington monument and like, just have like this incredible <laughs> story to tell. And they're hitting these poignant beats. And I'm just like, keep going, oh. keep going. Keep going. Like, yeah, keep there's when I have a question, I'll give you a question, but you keep going. Like, it's it's incredible to see. And I also think like, especially when like, and this is something that I, that I, I is probably uh, is going to relate. A lot of people are going to be able to relate to this, but I see it a lot in guys that have been really, really heavy their whole lives that have, you know, and ended up in that four, five, six hundred pound range. They're used to not having anyone listen to them. They're used to the spotlight not being on them. They're used to purposely stepping out of the spotlight, but they're also used to getting overlooked. Like you're very much, it's amazing to be the biggest person in a room and realize that no one is looking at you. Like they're yeah, used to that. And, yeah. and then when they get this chance to tell their story, it's the first time someone's saying, I want to hear from you what your life was like. I want to hear what this was like. And it's almost like this cathartic moment where like they're able to open up and just start saying, well, yeah, you know what? I was terrified, you know, to tell my wife that this was happening to me. And I was terrified to talk to my family. And I, I did the X, Y, and Z. Like, it's just like incredible to me sometimes. Like I get so caught up in their stories that I sometimes have to be like, wait a minute, I'm hosting a podcast with this person right now. And I have to, at some point talk, like it's just, oh, yeah. it, it's just an amazing <laughs> thing. I know you know what's you know you brought that up about you know some heavier guys or big dudes that you know they lose the weight and it's kind of weird. So I had this you know I don't want, I'm not gonna name names or anything, but I just had this you know person who I was talking with and they were telling me this you know this person that they were into this guy, you know they're like oh he lost a lot of weight but he's kind of you know he's kind of like a really chill mellow mellow guy. And then you know she was describing some qualities about him and I was like you know what that is? She's like what? I was like he was a fat guy. That's because mm. he was a fatty. He was a fat oh, yeah. dude, and he and he mm. he just wasn't that you know crazy outgoing guy. And now that he lost weight, he's still. I feel like some people have that. They still kind of have that. No one ever paid attention. No one noticed. Yeah. Even when they're not overweight, oh, yeah. carry those. Uh, yeah, the side effects that you got just from being overweight, like you're describing. Absolutely, oh, completely. Com completely. But um, where? Okay, so where were we back? Uh, unless you want to keep going on your podcast, but uh, where were we in your story? Did you get us back to where we were at? Yeah, I think, no, I think we were getting to the, we were getting to the end, like that I'm working, like, I think we kind of got through where I, you know, where I'm at now. Like, you know, I'm working on maintenance. I'm working on, you know, I've kind of, I've, you know, two, I got down to 205. Like I, I for a while I had this whole dream of getting to 199 so I could see the 100s and God, that'd be talking, beautiful. Yeah. and, but talking, talking with my doctor and talking with my coach and, and a lot of other people, like I have a lot of loose skin in my body, probably in the neighborhood my doctor thinks around 30 pounds of loose skin in my body so wow. subtract that so subtract that skin and i'm already 170 pounds yeah you know i'm yeah. 170 180 i've seen so, some of your photos yeah there is a lot of i mean you're just naturally gonna have that much skin so when you yeah well i mean i i had an 84 inch waist like oh yeah i had an 84 inch waist like let's like that's not like 
that was I one of my other lot of questions I had for you. I was thinking, I was like, you know, with especially with yo-yoing as much as you did, I was like, God, what was getting clothes like for you? Oh, I can't even like when you because I was big enough that I outgrew the big and tall stores. Like I was wow. like the 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 only real chain big and tall store there is in this country. You know, for the most part, is DXL that most people will know. It used to be called Casual Mail XL. Now it's DXL because it's hipper i guess to call it yeah just letters um you know make it just, cool. just letters now yeah. it, now it's a now it's a cool place to go buy slacks and polos um and they would carry up to a 6x and when you're over a 6x you can only get your clothes online so oh, i was God. for a long time like I, anything i wanted to get clothing wise for the most part like except for underwear i was buying online and like my legs were so big that i was having to buy all my socks online because i needed special socks like so think about like, especially like if you go back to like when I was, you know, 10 years ago with all of this, mail order wasn't as good as it is now. So there's this, you know, basically one or two companies where you could get clothes that were bigger than 6X and it would take them weeks to deliver the clothes. And by the time they arrived was when you you really, you know, would have no choice but to keep them and wear them, even if they're horrible quality and like it's this kind of like horrific thing that you get used to. And like, even when you start losing weight or you're in a smaller range, smaller, bigger range, you're able to shop at DXL, you're used to paying $50 for a branded t-shirt and $45 for a polo and $75 for a pair of dress pants. And so like now as so literally the first time I could shop at Walmart, I sat in the dressing room and I cried, you know, it's kind of kind of a punk mood, but like I, for the no. for the cost of for the cost of two pairs of pants and two shirts at DXL, I bought a full wardrobe at Walmart and like dude hell yeah because you deserved it you worked your ass off but it's like it's I, people don't realize like the access to those things is like it's so it's a different experience so like it really is like now so like when I would travel before like so say you you fly like I remember one time I flew to Florida I was going to Disney with with some people and our luggage was delayed. And so there I am in Florida, 500 plus pounds. Wh- what can I do to get more clothes? Like oh there's literally God. nowhere for me to go to get clothes. So if my luggage didn't show up, I was going to spend a week in Florida with one outfit. Like that was pretty oh, much my man. option. Like, oh, in Florida. What lo- time of year was it? Oh, it was it was summer in Florida. <laughs> you know, oh, so, shit. I would, I would, so I would literally be, and I, I had, you know, we were, you, know, you kind of think ahead in my carry-on. I had another pair of shorts and a bathing suit. So I had two pairs of shorts, a shirt, and a bathing suit for the first day I was in Florida. Luckily, you know, our luggage showed up that night. But I, you know, you're at that point where, like, what else do you do? So, like, now I don't have to worry about that. Like, I don't have to worry about when I walk in a room, is there somewhere for me to sit? When I go to a person's house, am I going to break their furniture? Like, that mental, the, the mental space that all of that planning takes up in your head, like, you don't even think about it. Like, knowing... Like I had times where I had deaths in the family and I didn't have any nice clothing that fit. So I'm like, well, let me find the best polo that I have and try to find a pair of pants that it won't look bad. Like, because I can't wait three weeks for, you know, dress pants and a dress shirt to arrive. Like you have to like, you don't have to do that anymore. Like it, it becomes freeing in a way that one, you go a little crazy at first, to be honest with you. Like, I think I, I went in like Walmart, Target, the mall, like pretty much everywhere. Kohl's. I was like a big fan of going in Kohl's and getting Kohl's cash and going back to Kohl's and spending more money. Mm-hmm. Um, because now you can just go and buy clothes anywhere. And it's this, it sounds silly to people. I think when you don't, when it's never something you had to deal with, but like, it is amazing to be able to see a shirt somewhere and be like, I could get that shirt if I wanted to get it. 
and not have to be like, well, do they have my size or can I get one that maybe looks like it or what can I do? Like, it's it's intense. Like when that reality changes, especially for me that I had been in that place for so long that like I hadn't been able to shop at general store, you know, regular department stores for decades. Like this isn't like it was just a few years. Like this was the majority of my life. Like I was in the big and tall section or bigger. Like, so it, it just, the, that one little change can be something that is just like so incredibly freeing. And like, that's the place that I'm in now. Like I try to celebrate those, those little victories and those moments. And like, I, we, we, we talked about the amazingness of the body and like, for me now, like, I, I have a friend that likes to remind me about like a year and a half ago, I, I posted on Instagram and I said, I'm thinking about walking to the gym in the morning tomorrow, but I don't know if I can walk that far. And, you know, I walked to the gym and it was like, you know, this amazing thing to do. Like I actually, you know, it's not that far, but like for, to me then it was a daunting distance. And now it's like, I can walk miles. Like I, 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 I live in, in Rhode Island on the East coast. And I went to a conference in Boston a couple months ago and I made it my mission to walk around Boston as much as possible during the day, like when I had free time to see how many miles I could put on. And I was doing like seven or eight miles. Like one day I did nine and a half miles walking around Boston. And like for me to be able to do that, when I realized that just a few years ago, I could barely walk into a store from my car, you know, in a parking lot. Like mm -hmm. if I couldn't park close, I couldn't go to that store. Like I reached a point in my life where I stopped shopping because I couldn't handle walking around stores. Like. So for me now to know that I can get on a plane in one seat and I can walk wherever I want to, or I can go to the beach and not worry about being unable to walk on the sand and I can go for a hike and I can do all these things. Like it's, it's incredible. And so that's a part of like why I do the podcast and why I, I have my Instagram page is like to keep sharing that story. So people know it's possible, you know, because there's, there's more people out there that are my before than I think we realize like mm -hmm. the sheer number of the sheer number of people, men and women that message me that say I'm 500 pounds, I'm 600 pounds and I've never been on a diet and I don't know what to do. Like they're out there and I think they need to know that you can make change, but you have to empower yourself to be the one that's going to make that change happen. No one's going to do it for you. Nothing is going to like, there's no magic trick. You know, keto is a tool that worked for me. Like, I, I love the keto diet. Do I, like, I think a whole nother discussion we could have is do I think the keto diet could be ideal for most people? I do. Do I think it's realistic that most people could follow a ketogenic diet? I don't. Like, I nothing exists mm -hmm. in a vacuum. Like, I, I, I think lower, lower carbohydrate intake could help everyone. But I also know that that's not something everyone's going to do. So, like, you need to find the tool that's going to work for you and you need to commit to it consistently. And, like just knowing that like I figured out like I, I work with one of the things I do now is, is a group coaching program that I'm, I'm one of the coaches for. And we're talking about consistency this week, especially like in the light of everything going on, you know, trying to like work on your goals and be consistent when you're in this chaos. And I realized that like my ketogenic journey started this week started 1150 days ago. So 1150 days of this, like, it's not a quick fix. It's not an overnight change. When you have 300 pounds to lose, you're going to have to work at it for years. But mm -hmm. if you do work at it for years, you will see the change happen and you will find a whole new world that you didn't even know existed before that you never had access to. And so it's just like trying to get people to realize that like, yes, it's going to suck sometimes. Like I, I won't lie. Like there were times that I like white knuckled it and went to bed early and cried over food like an idiot. Like, because I was that 
disordered by it all you know that affected by that emotional relationship i had with food and like mm -hmm. it's it that all doesn't go away but you you get better at it you get better at fighting those challenges you get better at dealing with those mind games like they don't ever leave they just become quieter and you get stronger and that takes time and it takes work and it takes committing to yourself and realizing that you're the one in charge and you know even if you don't feel that way all the time like sometimes, and that's, I think that's also a reason why like it's easy for people to cheat on something because then they can put the control on someone else's hands. But when you accept that you're the one that's in charge mm -hmm. and you screw up, you're the one that made the decision to screw up. Food mm -hmm. never, no, like none of these, like people love to talk about food is good and bad. You know, there's good foods and bad foods. Like I honestly 100% believe that food is not good or bad. There's some foods that have a, have a negative impact on the body. But food in and of itself does not have a personality. It doesn't have good or evil about it. It exists as food. Donuts can't attack me and jump in my mouth. Donuts only get in my mouth if I buy donuts and pick it up with my hand and put it inside of my mouth. Like, so it's never I was attacked by the sweets table at work. I was, you know, the holiday got to me. Like, no, I allowed the holiday to get to me. No, I, I went to, the, st I went to the, the store and bought the pizza. I went to the grocery store and bought the ice cream. Like... Take some responsibility and realize that it's not easy and that it's okay to say, I have trouble controlling these things. And so maybe I need to do something to work on that. Like, and maybe I need help from someone else, you know, maybe I need help from someone else to work on it, but don't ever be the person that takes the power out of your own hands. Like is really the thing that, that I've just realized that like, it's, it's gotta be, you have to realize that even if you feel strong or weak, that you're still the person that's in charge. Yeah, because like you said, you know, you're saying that this is choices. Like it's not you cheating on it. This is a choice you make. So everything you eat is a choice. Everything we do is a choice. All we're doing is making choices today. And I think that's what people struggle about thinking about a diet. Like, oh, I'm I'm never gonna, you know, eat this again. I'm never gonna have a piece of cake again. It's just gonna be mm -hmm. this this thing forever. It's like no, just think of it. Take it one day at a time. What choices are you gonna make today? Don't count the days. Don't don't think of how long it'll be since you had this or that. Just think like, what am I doing today? What couple right. things are going to do today? And that's it. And that's and it's funny that you talk about never having cake again because I get that question a lot. So you're the keto guy. You're never going to have cake again. And I, I, have a, I, have, I have my stock answer to that. And that's that I will probably at some point in my life have cake again. But yeah. I, I have to be okay with never having cake again. Mm -hmm. So yeah, if, if, if I, if, if I need to, if, if it, if it takes me never having cake again to survive, then I'll do that. Yeah. Big if time. I, if, if I'm at a point where I feel like I can make the choice to have cake and be okay with it and be okay with that choice that I can choose to have the cake, but I still have to know in my head that it's not something that I have to live for. You know, like I have to, yeah. I have to know that I'll, I'll survive without it. Can I enjoy it at some point? Yes. But I have to know that even if I, if I ever don't, I'll still be okay. I'm still going to survive. I do like thinking about that stuff too because I kind of think about that and it's like, you know, I've also had enough cake for the rest of my life. I've, I've had a lot already, you know? Well, mm -hmm. you let's think be about realistic. How much, how much food did I eat? Like, I've had yeah. enough cake. I've had enough cake for probably 10 very large gentlemen. Like, yeah. <laughs> I, it, was, it was not weird for me to order six Big Macs at once. Like, I have had enough Big Macs like to live yeah, my life. Like, I like, ate them. I... I have a, I, and this is where I talk about war stories. Like I remember going, I was going to dinner with, with my family, driving out to, to my parents' house to have dinner one night and they lived about a half hour, 35 minutes away. 
and I was freaking starving. And I knew it would be a little while once I got there before we ate, and I knew the food wasn't going to be great. So I literally bought eight Big Macs, and I ate eight Big Macs driving to my parents' house. Oh, and man. then had din- and then had dinner with my family, and then probably had more food later that night. But that was like the life I was. Li- that was the life I was living. Like now, that's you know, a beast. Like it- mm-hmm. Oh yeah, there's you know there's I could. I can tell you stories to curl your toes about food sometimes. Like, <laughs> it's, like it's getting me a little excited. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like, well, and then that's the funny thing is, like, I tell these stories and I can get, I get hyped up about it, like when I'm talking about it, and people are like, "Whoa, it sounds like you're you're recounting like a sexual encounter," and I'm like, "Well, <laughs> you know, when you're when you're when you're when you're 540 pounds, you're you're getting laid at the drive-through pretty much. Like, that's yeah. really where you're, you're you're getting your thrill from. Like, I was about to really, say when you said that, when you said that, dude, I'm telling you, my eyes dilated and my my eyes were staring out. Like, I was I was even dreaming about it. I'm like, ooh, that sounds good. Like, I get oh, I, I mean, you tell it, I was like, oh, I felt that desire he had i love it well because think about it like think about it like you like as an average person you fantasize sometimes like oh wouldn't it be amazing if like one i just bought a cake for myself one day you know like i went and got one of those really awesome looking sheet cakes and had them write you know enjoy you know uh, in my name on it like i did all of that like i was i was that gluttony gluttony without you know i didn't have a conscience when it came to it like if I wanted something, I got it. You know, if I decided at two, like, I remember, um, this, this is kind of funny, not funny, but that month that I fell off of keto that first year, uh, one of the first things I did when I fell off was I went to Taco Bell again. And so I hadn't been to Taco Bell in a couple months. Uh, and I, I used uh, to go like every, I used get, to go. Bro, what'd you get? Well, <laughs> uh, well if you, you want remember. me to say, if I remember, I do. Um, it was four chili cheese burritos, um, three soft tacos, uh, Supremes. They had to be Supremes. Um, there was a Gordita Crunch then that I don't know if they still have. Oh, oh, so oh the cheesy Gordita yeah. Crunch, man. Yes, oh, yeah. yeah. Um, I would get a Nacho Supreme with no beans because I hated their beans, but I would get a Nacho Supreme with no beans, extra sour cream, and then I would order, they had the Cinnabon Delights, which would like the little cinnamon rolls with uh, cream cheese in the center of them. I would get a 20-pack of those um, and take that home. Um, that was my standard Taco Bell order. But... I went to that drive-thru, and when I pulled up, the kid working at the drive-thru said, oh, my oh my God, I thought you died. Like, I was, well, I, was a regu- I was enough of a regular at 12 o'clock in the morning at that, that Taco Bell that the kid working the drive-thru knew who I was and thought I had died because I hadn't gone for a couple months. Like, yeah. God, you yeah, know, that... It's no fault to him. I yeah, mean, yeah. like, it just, you're like, oh, what happened to that guy? Bro, well, you, oh, that, oh, and you, mean, were like, so big, you were so big, yeah. too. Oh, I mean, come on. Like, that's like, you know, when there's, because really, I love when people tell stories about going to a fast food place and ordering two drinks, you know, so someone thinks that they're ordering more food, you know, it's for uh, them yeah. and someone else. When you're 500 pounds, there's no illusions about what yeah. you're getting the food for. Like, yeah, so there's no, there's no, like, there's no, like, coyly being like, Oh, I think she wanted no pickles on her burger. So if I could get no pickles on one of like, no, just put it all in a bag, throw it all in a bag. It's fine. Um, Smear it all. But like, that was really, that was like my, like you, you name it. Like I would literally like, I very clearly remember the day of, you know, the, the summer of 2013 when I went off the wagon hard. Um, I had just come back from a vacation for my 40th birthday. I had done really well on vacation and 
I on in the airport flying home, I had convinced myself that I had done so well that I deserved to cheat. So I got Arby's because there was no there's no Arby's here in New England, and I loved the beef and cheddar. So I got three beef and cheddars and some curly fries from Arby's, and I was like, "This is my cheat meal at the airport. This is you know it's controlled. It's at the airport. You know I'll be fine." I get up the next morning and went to work uh, and, and felt a little sick because obviously when you're paleo, you're not eating grains. And I just ate three really shitty rolls, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For the, so probably for the first time in two years, I ate crappy bread. So I felt sick. So my boss is like, you don't look good. You should go home. So I, I went to Whole Foods and I was like, I got to get chicken and broccoli because, you know, when you're dieting, chicken and broccoli is what you eat. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I knew I had no groceries at home. So I went to get chicken and broccoli and I walked by the bakery counter at the Whole Foods. And they, this was now, this was back before bacon was on everything. Once a month, they would put out caramel, salted caramel bacon brownies that were amazing. Oh. And I was like, it's salted caramel bacon brownie day. Maybe I should just get one of those. I'll just get one of those. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, well, if I'm going to get a brownie, maybe I should get some ice cream to go with it. Yep. So uh-huh. I'll, have, I'll have a cheat meal. So I'm going to have my chicken, my broccoli, my ice cream, and my brownie. And now in the checkout line at Whole Foods, I then decided, well, you know, if I'm going to have a cheat meal, maybe I should just have a cheat day. Get it out of your system. You know, burn it out of your system. Have a cheat day. So on the way home, I got McDonald's. I got McDonald's, yeah. went, got, went home, ate my McDonald's, ate my brownies and my ice cream, and then I ordered a pizza that night. By the oh, time my... I had ordered the pizza, I had decided I was taking a cheat weekend. By the next day, I had decided I was taking a cheat week, that I was going to take a week off my diet and just eat oh, whatever I wanted man. because I had earned it. Like, this is, that's the mind of an addict, like the way it works. Yeah. Like, I convinced myself that I had earned a week off. By Monday, so now let's let's take you into some of the reality of this. I decided to step on the scale Monday after this is Friday to, to Monday. Uh, I put on 30 pounds that weekend. Oh, what? my God. Dude. It's yeah. funny because yeah. when you were telling the story, I was like, this literally sounds like an alcoholic who like, oh, oh yeah. just one beer. And yep. then that one beer on Friday turns into by Sunday night, just like rails of Coke off of. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, completely. <laughs> oh, it was a bender. It was like it was a that whole summer was a bender. Like I'm telling you, like and obviously, you don't to anyone out there listening, you don't put 30 pounds of fat on in three days. That's a lot of water. My body had been severely carb-deprived for a long time and even food-deprived, so it was a lot of water. But the fat then comes pretty fast. Within the first month, I put on 100 pounds, and I stopped getting on the scale because at that point, I honestly, I was terrified because I was so, at that point, it was like an out-of-control t- train running down a hill. I, I have gone back and added up the calories of what I was eating every day then, and I stopped counting when I got to around 24,000 calories. Like, and that's oh what I was taking in every God. day. Like this, sh- I was going to fast food places four or five times a day and eating cooked meals at home. And it was like you said, it was so much rails money on off food. Of ass. Like, oh, yeah. I spent most of my income on food. Most of my income yeah. on food at that point, like easily, easily. And it was October. Now, so the weight is coming on so fast that I immediately outgrew all of my clothes within two weeks. Like all of my clothes. Like nothing fit me within two weeks. So I had to go buy new clothes. So I bought clothes a couple sizes bigger. Within a month, those clothes weren't big enough anymore. So I had to buy more clothes. And I just was on this like vicious cycle where like I, no matter what I did, I couldn't stop. And it was just going and going and going until I realized here I was again, you know, I'm putting on a 7X shirt again, you know, a few months later. And that was... 
that was how fast it happened. Like, I, mm-hmm. whenever I see memes where people are like, you didn't gain the weight overnight, you're not going to lose it overnight. I'm like, well, oh, au contraire. Um, yeah. yeah, you're like, yeah, you know, man. pretty much, pretty much, I pretty much I did gain it overnight. Like, you know, I, you know, I put on 100 pounds in a month. Like, it's that, but that was the depth of the insanity. Like, I call it insanity because it really was insanity. Like, oh, yeah. a, a sane person is not doing that. Like, it's just not. Like, so I, I embrace that part of me. Like, I don't embrace the insanity as a good thing, but I embrace it as something that I need to be conscious of. And I, I know I'll have to fight for the rest of my life, but like that was, you know, I literally, you know, at that point, like it was like a sequel to Willy Wonka and the chocolate factory. Like literally any whim I had, I was fulfilling that whim, you know, because I had it in my head. Like you haven't eaten these things in years, you know? So what, what is that going to taste like now? And what is that going to be like now? And it's like, those foods are so, hyper palatable and designed to set yourself on fire, like set oh, your yeah. on fire. Like there's, there's a psychological component to it all. And then there's a very hormonal component to, you know, the dopamine effect of food. And like, I basically, like you're saying, like I was a drug addict who decided to start injecting again. Like mm-hmm. and once, once you're back in that place, like, and it, especially like I'm good at hiding. So I basically hid that summer because I knew that if people saw what was happening, they would try to stop me. You know, like it, it very much was like if I, I show my face a lot, people are going to are going to know something's happening. And I remember the first time I posted a picture on Facebook, like it was probably two months into that period. And I'm like, I know that I'm up over, you know, at that point, probably up over 150 pounds. I'm like, I have to let people know that I'm alive and let them see me before they see me in person and freak out. You know, like yeah, it's almost like wow. you have to start thinking about that stuff like what is the guy? So like, I remember posting a picture and like, I don't think it got any likes at all. Like it was a picture from uh, going out with friends and, um, just uh, some of the, de- some of the messages I got from people that are like, are you okay? And I had also, <laughs> this was going to say, you I know, like, you just get people yeah. messaging you like, Hey bro, is everything all right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah like, and like, and I honestly, like I had gotten so good at that point at being like, you know, I just really, you know, I wasn't being true to myself and like I was restricting to the point that I was, you know, probably doing damage to my body and like this is just what's happening and like I'm okay yeah. with it and I'm a happy person and back off, you know. Paleo is actually evil. Yeah, like I was very – well, and then I got I got very much into telling people I'm like, you know, I was starving myself and like that's bad and that was a bad yeah. thing. Like it mentally wasn't good for me. Like I got really good at convincing people like eventually they're all like, yeah – Fuck yeah! I'm ordering yeah. you a pizza. Like yeah, yeah. Fuck yeah. Let's go I'm get so, donuts. Like, I'm so glad you're eating again. <laughs> yeah, I'm like you. Like you said, I'm well spoken. I'm per, I'm persuasive as fuck. Obviously to myself, but to other people as well. Oh, and I mean, yeah, and I I've yeah. had at different points in my life, people like I had a good friend once send me a letter saying, you know, I can't. Wa- I'm not going to be able to watch you kill yourself anymore. So I need to know either you're going to do something to help save your life, or I have to walk away. And I basically Damn. was like, well, fuck you, fuck you, walk away then, okay? You know, like, that was my response at that point. Like, you know, I'm, I I very much was good at convincing mm-hmm. myself that, and, and by that point, when that weight was coming back on so fast, I honestly started to believe that, well, this must be the way my body wants to be. You know, yeah. if this is happening so fast, not that I'm thinking, well, you're shoveling enough food in it to kill a village. Like, mm-hmm. no, why, why think about, why think yeah. about that? Like, Instead, no, yeah. think about my body naturally wants to be this way. You know, my body. It's like that little devil on your shoulder just whispering in your oh, ear. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, and it just wants you to be that worst, you know, version of yourself. Oh, oh man. Completely. Yeah, dang, that's crazy. 
I do. I do want to say. So uh, one thing I would like to uh, to hear in your own words. You know, uh, it's like almost strip the 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 words of fat and of carbs and all that stuff. But you know, everyone at one point in their life just goes through crazy amounts of hardships. You know, or maybe mm -hmm. it's just one hardship, and they're not they're not used to dealing with a hardship in life. Uh, what can you say as, as someone who has gone through a whole, like basically a whole entire life of hardship to where you are now? Like, cause now I like, it's just like, it just seems like you got this attitude. Like I can do what I want and you just keep booming, accomplishing one thing after the other. Can you talk about um, what you kind of learned about the hardships, how it almost, how that shaped you to who you are today and how you just, now you have this attitude of like, Oh, I can do that. If I could do this, I can do that. I think the, the, the first thing I'm going to say is like, you have to accept that things are worse inside of your head than they are in reality. That we, we build these hardships into monsters inside of our heads that we think we can't affect and that we think we can't control. And we start to allow us, ourselves to become victims of circumstances instead of actually thinking about what we can control. And I think that's really important. Like that, the idea at the end of the day is, life is never going to be easy. Like there's going to be crap getting thrown at you all the time. Like look right now, you know, we have a lot of crap being thrown at us everywhere in this world. You have to be able to sit down and say, okay, but what are the things that I can control? And what are the things that I can't control? Mm -hmm. And you have to take that list of things that you can't control and you have to let it go. As hard as it is, you have to let it go. You're never going to be able to control the way another person responds to something you say or do. You're never going to be able to control another person's belief system or their attitudes or anything along those lines. You're not going to be able to control the way your body. I'm not going to be able to control the way my body feels when I eat donuts. Like I can't affect the way that that's going to change, but I can think about what can I control at the end of the day. And, and it was when I finally realized that I was wasting so much energy on things that I had no control over that I realized I had a ton of energy that I could apply to the things that I can keep my hands on and I can keep control over. And you can start to think about your hardships as challenges that you can break down into to steps and pieces and components. It's like that idea that like one of the things that like, if you look on my, my profile on Instagram, I have a lot of wild hashtags on there. And a lot of them come from different things I've talked about over time. Like one of, one of the ones that's on there is keep digging. And for me, uh, I like to think that like, you know, I've moved mountains in my life. Like I, I've had, like, when I think about, being over 300 pounds lighter than I was at my heaviest. Like I'm, I am, where am I at now? <laughs> Let's do some math. 300 and 330 pounds lighter than I was at my heaviest. Like yeah. that's a mountain, that's a mountain of weight and you don't yeah. move that in one day and you don't always have a shovel to help you move the, the crap you have to move. Sometimes you've got a spoon. Sometimes you've got a, a fork. Sometimes it's just a straw. Like yes, yes, sometimes you, it's your bare whatever, hands, and you're going to right. Whatever, yeah. Whatever you've got in front of you at that time, keep digging. Keep digging at that mountain and don't give up. Like at the end of the day, like it doesn't matter what tool you use to face your demons. You know, if we're talking about weight specifically, like it doesn't matter what diet you use. It doesn't matter what plan you use. It doesn't matter how you set it up. As long as you set something up. And you do something every day consistently. And, and I think you, one of you started to say this earlier, like, this is the big thing I say to people, like, don't think about having a 2000 day journey ahead of you to lose the weight. Think about you've got 24 hours that you have to get right and mm -hmm. get those 24 hours right. Because as human beings, 
we're resilient animals. Like we can do anything for 24 hours. Like we can literally do anything for 24 hours. So if you can suck it up and not eat that food that you know is going to hurt you for 24 hours, go to bed at night and feel good about doing that and wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to do it again and focus on the next 24 hours. Focus on each individual choice and realize, make the choices you can control and allow the ones that you can't control to wash over you. Like don't let them dominate you to the point that they paralyze you. Like we sometimes get so into analyzing things. It, there's that phrase per, an paralysis by analysis. Like we get so stuck up in researching like that, especially, you know, I, I, you're saying like take keto and carbs and all that stuff out of this. But when it comes to diet plans, like I think people get stuck in this place of researching to find the perfect diet plan for them that mm -hmm. they never do anything. They never oh yeah. yeah. Anything. I've said that to so many people. I'm like, Hey, you know the answer or you pretty much know the answer. Now it's time to just do the damn thing. And do it. You know? Do it for 30 yeah. do it for 30 days and if it doesn't work, try something else for 30 days. Mm -hmm. Like you're not you're not getting married to a diet. You're not getting married to an eating plan. You're not getting married to a certain macro ratio. Like it's okay to make changes and alterations and try new things and find fight to find the weapon that you're going to need to win the battle. Like don't give up because X Y and Z didn't work. Like it's not like keto doesn't work for everyone. If it fits your macros, doesn't work for everyone. Straight calorie counting, you know, bodybuilding six meals a day of, of rice, broccoli, and chicken doesn't work for everyone. It's okay to be bio-individual and find a plan that works for you, but don't give up on finding a plan that works for you. Like I've done keto so many different ways now through these past three years because I knew I needed to tweak and make changes so that I could keep fighting. Like, whereas in the past I would just quit because I would say it didn't work. And that quitting is me choosing to give up. And that's me choosing to give the power up of something that I could control. And really, at the end of the day, like, if you're facing something really hard, don't just think about it as, like, a mountain. Think about it as something just right in front of you that you have to try to just move a little bit of every day. And you'll be surprised how fast it adds up. And, like, you, I know you, you were, one of you was talking about, you know, when you get eating under control, other things get under control. I, I think it also goes the other way. Like, I... I very much think it's rare that a person can exercise enough to affect their weight, like in terms of calorie burn. But I think having a routine, an exercise routine and a workout plan that you follow allows routine in other areas of your life to get easier. Mm -hmm. It allows you to, ex to, to exhibit more control. And also, obviously, there's amazing benefits, you know, cardiovascularly and physically and strength wise and everything with working out. But I, I think it's that and idea. And the mental that, health like, of it. Yeah. Right. Like that, that idea. Yeah, the endorphins Just are real. Just that, you know, that, that, that chemical reaction of your body, like when you, how, how good you feel after you accomplish something, like, you know, get those patterns in place and consistently do them and, and don't buy your own bullshit. Like that's, I did that for so long. I bought my excuses. I bought the lies that I was telling myself, like, we are the best liars in the world when it comes to ourselves. Like we are very, we're silver tongue devils and we can convince ourselves of almost anything. And like, you have to start realizing that you might be your own worst enemy when it comes to like saving yourself. Like you might have to realize you might have to treat yourself as an adversary for a while. And all that love yourself bullshit falls out of the way for a while. And you realize you have to fight against yourself until you feel like you have the upper hand. Like it, that's reality. And that's something that I, I personally feel like I went through for a long time and I'll go through forever. Like understand that it's okay, you know, to feel like you're at war, but don't ever feel like it's okay just to give up. Mm-hmm. Dude, no, you yeah. can't, man. You, you just gotta keep, like you said, keep digging, keep hammering. 
Mm-hmm. You know, surround yourself with people that that are going to allow you to do that. Follow, you know, whether it is you got to follow accounts, read books, watch videos that not just motivate you because motivation is kind of fleeting, but that impose they imprint a lifestyle on you that you want to live and walk yourself. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, dude, this was awesome, man. We've been going for an hour forty two now. Um, mm. Where can people uh, find you? Sure. Well, one, we've talked about my podcast already, the Fat Guy Forum. You can find it here on Podbean. You can find it on iTunes, Spotify, all the places. Um, I drop episodes twice a week right now. I, I am COVID unemployed, so I'm, I'm filling my time by getting more stories out there, which I, I think can only benefit more people. Uh, you can also connect with me on Instagram at gourmet underscore goes underscore keto. Uh, that's the primary location where it's it's best, I think, to find me, you know, hit, hit up my DMs. Um, you know, I post pretty regularly. I, I share the good, the bad, and the ugly, um, literally. Um, and I just, you know, I do my best to make sure that any, anyone that does reach out to me, I get back to them. And, you know, even if sometimes it takes me a couple of days, but, you know, I do my best to make sure that I'm communicating with everyone out there. And I'm also on Twitter, but Twitter's pretty much, you know, a, a cesspool of life at times. So Oh, it's disgusting. Yeah. yeah. We don't yeah, even have like, it. You, you see me, if, if you go on Twitter, you're more likely to see me, you know, getting attacked by vegans or fighting with someone. <laughs> oh, or something I said. So yeah, like literally no matter what I post, like literally whenever I post, if I post like a transformation Tuesday and I share it on Twitter as well as Instagram or something like that. And I'll, you know, I hashtag it keto. I get probably 10 to 15 replies. Keto didn't help you lose weight. You just ate less food. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Calm down. Take a deep breath. It's it's fine. You know. As interested so, as I, I am, would, I would say Instagram. About, yep. I was gonna say, as interested as I am to learn more about like a vegan diet and all that stuff, there's nothing more that enjoys me more is when a vegan sees blood <laughs> and they just get angry, and you're just like, you silly goose. <laughs> like, oh, uh, and I mean, and, and, and to be fair, on the carnivore side of things, they can get just as intense and they insane. Get insane man. Like, oh, yeah. you know, it's there's a lot of there's a lot of cuckoo ness all over the place. Like, there's you know, in the in keto and in, in Weight Watchers, you know, there's crazy people everywhere. You know, we know that everywhere. Like, that's man. fine. I'll, it's I just that this, the, though, um, I noticed that the keto and carnivore communities are just so energized to want to talk about it and get it out there. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Like. Like I said, we've just been having an outpouring of people on keto, carnivore, like that kind of from that realm, just wanting to talk mm. on the podcast, uh, you know, and then but not nearly the same in the other communities like vegan, vegetarian. You know what I mean? Low energy. No, just uh, kidding. I'm kidding. Well, I'm well kidding. yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding. kidding. I'm kidding. That could, that could be it. But I know. But I think it's I think that's a, that's definitely endemic of when you find something that works for you. And you get excited about it, like you wanna you wanna talk about it and you wanna talk about yeah, it more. I think that's it. why, you know, you wanna share you wanna share that experience with people and you wanna, you know like and that's why for me, like I do the podcast, like my podcast isn't a keto podcast. I get keto people that are mad at me all the time because I don't push keto on every guest that comes on there. They're like, You should be telling them that this would help them. And I'm like, Well, that's not really my job. Um, like I I just want my I feel like my purpose is to let people know that you're going to have good days, you're going to have bad days, but they all add up in the end to be, it's possible to succeed and it's possible to kind of beat these demons more than once. Like, you know, I, I speak up for the people that have, have fallen more than once on these weight loss journeys and, and show that you can keep fighting and that you can eventually get to a place where, you know, it, you're never cured, but you can feel empowered and you can feel like you're, you're more in control of things than you ever did in your life and you just got to keep working at it and be consistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did want to say really just two last things. Uh, one, 
other vegans out there, you know. I mm. I personally, I'm, I know I've given you guys some digs. I'm just because I, I personally, I just think it'd be like it's. A, I know it'd be a hard thing for me to do. So I told myself I was gonna do uh, 30 days of vegan, just so I can just, mm. just so I can walk a mile in their shoes, kind of. So I'm not just knocking y'all. So uh, it's just something I want to try out, you know. Um, but the other thing I wanted to say is like, dude, Gourmet, this was a pleasure. It was great talking to you, hearing your story. Uh, and I, I truly, I mean it that I think anyone could benefit hearing your story and then hearing the other stories of the people you, uh, uh, interview and talk to. So, uh, I just want to say, thanks, man. This is Anthony here speaking, but I just want to say, I appreciate it. Well, thank you. I, I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you guys. Like, honestly, I've been, I've been binging on your, your podcast all week, you know, to get ready to talk to y'all. And, uh, I just think you're doing some really great work. So I, I appreciate the opportunity to connect a little bit with your audience and, you know, just get even get to have this chance to have a, a good dialogue with you guys about all of this. There's there's so much more there, you know, we could talk about it in different on different levels, you know. And I know I didn't get to tell you about St. Patrick's Day, but you know, there's oh, yeah. there's, there's a big there's a big there's a big future ahead for all of us, I'm sure. So I was gonna say, man, and we definitely need to, we'll to we need to do an additional episode oh, yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah. Gourmet just yeah, became uh, one of the just a couple dudes. Oh yeah. Yeah, you it's are just... you are you are in our realm, buddy. You are one of our buddies. Well, I, I, I appreciate that, man. I appreciate it. I think you guys are you're, you're doing some really some really great stuff. So just keep it up, keep it up. Appreciate yeah, it, man. Awesome, cool. So uh, people know where to find you, and I think this is a great uh, stopping point. And uh, hopefully, we can do something very soon, man. Definitely sounds great. You guys, and have if you're awesome ever in uh, Phoenix, if you're ever in Phoenix, Arizona, man, you got to hit us up. We can, we need to go get some uh, get some food. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Nah, yeah. Well, you've got a place to stay, yeah. that's for sure. So there we go. There we go. Sounds yeah. great, guys. All right, man. Okay, everybody. So uh, thank you for tuning in and hearing this awesome story. So thanks to everybody. All right. Have a good one. Bye.